1: Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I am your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking about the importance of sharing your birth story as well as listening to birth stories and how it can impact you. So I have the perfect guest for this. I have Bryn Hunt Palmer. She is the founder of the Birth Hour Podcast. If you like birth stories, if they empower you, if you feel like you learn from them, which I hope you do, this is a must listen to. Head over to the Birth Hour Podcast. So Bryn is is passionate about helping pregnant people prepare for childbirth through the sharing of empowering and formative birth stories and she has done over 600 episodes to date and i believe over 16 million downloads of her podcast so check it out i years ago saw an article that talked about people came out feeling more confident and ready to take ownership of their births when they listen to positive birth stories so i think you're going to greatly enjoy this conversation before we get to that, I just want to go over some things that are happening at PYC, some really, really exciting things that are happening. So I can finally announce that Prenatal Yoga Center and Boober, who is also run by Jada Shapiro, who has run birthday presents. She and I have been circling around the same world for almost 20 years. We're teaming up, we're working together. So you're gonna see some classes at PYC run through Boober, our childbirth education, our breastfeeding, our caring for a newborn online and in person. I am incredibly excited about that. And so as I mentioned, some classes are going to be online, some classes are going to be in person. That goes for our yoga classes as well, and some are hybrids. So we've opened up this crazy Zoom world and we're going to embrace it because it has allowed our community to grow in ways that I never could have imagined before. So if you are interested in taking any of our childbirth education classes or our yoga classes, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com for more information about that. While you're over there on the website, prenatalyogacenter.com, go ahead and grab your free downloadable. I call it my cheat sheet for when you might be feeling a little Achy between classes. It's five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. So, what if you wake up and your back hurts, or your shoulders hurt, or your neck hurts, or your hamstrings hurt? I've got on this cheat sheet ways that you can make your body feel a little better, a little more grounded, a little happier. And You may not have time for a full class, so this can be a way to continue with your day in a more comfortable manner. And then the last thing I want to bring up is our teacher training. So I was kind of wavering what's going to happen with the winter. We can go back in person. I have decided no. We are going to do another online training. So our September, October is already in gear. We're already doing that. We've got a November, December Online, and then we're gonna do a January, February online. And then hopefully everything crossed, we're back in person in New York City to do our March and April teacher training. So if you're curious about prenatal yoga and you wanna take a very deep dive, check out that, check out our website, check out our program. And as I had mentioned about Boober, how we're now going to be partnering with them. If you are needing lactation support, a birth doula, a mental health therapist, a postpartum doula, um, these classes I mentioned are online classes and in-person classes, go to getboober.com and you can also use the code PYC to get 10% off your first service from Boober. All right, that's enough of me. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Bryn.
0: Hey, Bryn, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh,
1: thank you so much. I love your podcast. I love birth stories. So I thought, let's see if we can combine the two. So I'm really excited to chat. So I guess let's start with, I would love to know more about you and what inspired you to start the birth hour.
0: Yeah. So I'm a mom. I have three kiddos, um, let's see, ages almost 10, eight, and then a two year old. So, um, I would say the thing that started my, you know, interest in birth was having babies. (laughs) I was one of those people who just did so much research. Um, even before I was pregnant, I think I had checked out every book in the birth and pregnancy section of the library and been reading them. Um, And then got really into reading home birth, birth stories when I was pregnant because I was planning a home birth and um, didn't know anyone in my real life who had had a home birth. And so it was kind of around the time when birth without fear was starting where she shared a lot of birth stories on her blog and then just other um, bloggers were sharing their birth stories. And so I found myself up into the wee hours of the night reading birth stories and just kind of really enjoyed it. And then it wasn't until after um, my second was born. My first two were born about 19 months apart. So pretty, pretty wild <laughs> couple years there with little ones. And I just found that my um, interest in birth wasn't, you know, going anywhere. And we didn't really have any plans to have more babies at that point. I think we were kind of shell shocked with the two so close together. Um, but I wanted to be involved in the birth world, and so um, I'm sure, like many people you talk to, that. You know, became doulas or something like that was inspired by their own love of birth and wanting to continue to be around birth. And so I thought about being a doula or a midwife, but I just couldn't really, um, envision myself in the on call, Mm -hmm. um, lifestyle with two little ones. And so I did do, um, birth photography for a little while. And that was fun. But um, one day I just kind of had a an aha moment. I had become really into podcasts. My husband got me into them. He had been listening to them for years before anyone was. And then he got me into um, the serial podcast. That oh my, was my <laughs> love My that. gateway. <laughs> yes, that is a gateway for many people. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, well, this is amazing. This is the best entertainment for parents with young kids because you can be doing other things while you listen. And for us at the time, we were living on the Oregon coast, you know, about an hour and a half from a major city with good grocery stores and stuff like that. And so I did a lot of driving and um, listening to podcasts. And then one day I was just like, I want to start a podcast. I love birth stories. I'm going to have a birth story podcast. And I posted in a couple... Um, birth Facebook groups that I was in asking if anyone would be interested in sharing their story. And I had a lot of volunteers or what seemed like a lot to me at the time. And so I just I just recorded my first episode. I always tell people when they ask me for advice on starting a podcast to just record and see if you even like it before you spend a bunch of time creating a website and a logo and all these things. And so after that first one, I can still picture where it was set up in our bedroom in our home that was like two homes ago. Um And I just came downstairs and had the biggest grin on my face and was like, I loved that. And my husband was like, okay, so you're going to keep doing it? And I said, yes. And that's where that happened and where it took off from. How many episodes are you at now? Over 500. That I'm is so bad. That the is amazing.
1: Happened, that yeah. is amazing. So going back to what you were saying about your own preparation for birth and your hunger for birth stories, do you remember what it was about the birth stories that just were so satisfying that then made you crave more?
0: I think it was just um when I was trying to learn, I was obsessed with what birth was going to be like for me, um and you can never predict it right birth is unpredictable and so i don't i wasn't like going to actually satisfy that craving to find out what my birth was going to be like but that was like the driving force for me was just wanting to anticipate all the different ways things could go and it actually ended up helping me a story i had read about um a mom who had a cervical lip when she was mm-hmm. starting to push and it made everything, it got more swollen. It made everything kind of slow down. She ended up needing a hospital transfer and an epidural and, you know, a lot of things, a lot of interventions she wasn't planning. And, um, with my first, when I was pushing, my midwife mentioned a cervical lip and my ears just like tuned in, listened to everything she told me to do, was really focused on, you know, trying to, not make that situation worse. And I don't think I would have even known what that was if I hadn't read that story. So that's just one little, I guess, memory I have of how having heard someone else's birth story was helpful to me. And it was not like the kind of birth story where it's your your friend or your mom just like kind of venting about things. It was like someone who had written out every detail. And that was what I was really into. Well, I
1: I love that you said that. And one of the things I feel about with birth stories, especially in the way that you let them present in in the birth hour, very uninterrupted, is it feels like a very approachable way to gain education and options and, and choices that maybe people didn't know about. Do you want to talk a little bit more about how you think hearing birth stories can bolster someone's, I guess, even desire to educate themselves more? They might've not even been thinking about options.
0: Right. Yeah. I get messages all the time from people who were in the camp of, oh, I just was going to go to the OBGYN that my mom went to and that I had been going to for my annual exams. I was just going to do, you know, whatever they did as their normal practice. And then I started listening to birth stories and it really helped open my eyes to all the different options out there. And on the birth hour, we share all different types of stories. So we're definitely not trying to sway anyone. Um, to choose one thing over the next, but I think just hearing different experiences from people can be really helpful to know, know your options. That's, that's what our childbirth course is called is know your options. That's really our, our big goal at the birth hour is to help people, um, be informed and empowered in their decision making around birth.
1: And I, I really love that you do that. I feel like when, and our, our first, mine's about, my, my son just turned 10 and you said you have an almost 10. So our first births were around the same time. Yeah. And I feel like there's been a shift and this just could be my lens. I'm really curious what you're thinking. There is, there was a shift in the perception of birth and quote unquote, like the right way and the wrong way. So I felt like. Around the time my son was born, I was pregnant, and a little before, there was a certain, and this could be come from, and I could be totally wrong, but I keep thinking it came from the business of being born, which I love that movie, and I think it is yeah. a great lens into even the option of homebirth, because I don't think a lot of people even knew it. But I think after that movie came out, there was this is the way to do it, this, you know this, and there was kind of a little side of like, I'm doing a home birth and I did a home birth. So I'm not, I'm not Mm. poo pooing that, but I think there was like, a a little bit like, this is how I'm doing it. Like a machismo around it. And Mm. I think things have shifted. At least I know the way I present information and I teach is much in line with you of it is all options and you make your choice for you. But do you feel that was in place a little bit? Or
0: again, that could just be in my crazy mind. No, I definitely um am tracking what you're saying. I think for me, it was all about like the circles you were in, right? Like if you're a home birther, you're probably going to be, you know, in a childbirth class taught by your midwife with other people having home births. You're going to be very honed in on the education around that and preparing for that. And I um very quickly after starting the birth hour, kind of admitted to myself that I was on like a home birth soapbox <laughs> prior to opening up, you know, my mind to all these other stories. Um, like you would, I would see someone post on Facebook, like a, a friend from high school or something about their, you know, induction for whatever reason at 37 weeks. And I would be like a little judgy in the back of my mind. And my husband even was kind of on a home birth soapbox too. We joked about because he was such a, a great partner and advocate for me and in, in the home that we had. Um, but after hearing so many stories, now I'm like much more aware of all the different reasons that someone might make a choice. And I certainly want them to be making that choice and not to just be, you know, going along with whatever they're told by maybe not, Evidence-backed information, um, but yeah, I think I I think I'm picking up what you're saying as yeah. far as how now it's more like let's all just know the options. Let's focus on the evidence. But everybody has different desires, and one of our birth stories was a mom who had had. It's one of like our most popular episodes. She had had I think five or six home births. Maybe five, And then she was like, you know what? I am done. I am getting that <laughs> epidural. And baby number seven like, went to the hospital and got an epidural. And she's so funny because she's like, my husband and I were joking the whole time about how weird it was that all these people were around. And then he was like, you know, your pee is hanging in a bag from the bed right now. <laughs> and they're like cracking up about it because it was such a different experience for her. But she's had more babies since then. And I think they've all been hospital births with epidurals. So, um, you know, never say never about what choices you might want.
1: I love that. And then also, I just feel like there's just so much more, as you're saying, there's more acceptance, or at least I'm seeing more acceptance and support of whatever you want. And definitely, I feel like there's more support about Evidence-based knowledge than I think there yes. was when I originally, so I've been teaching prenatal yoga for like 20 years and I'll highly, you know, credit Rebecca Decker for this. Um, mm-hmm. but really supporting, of course, ACOG actually is doing more <laughs> evidence-based and Lamaz is now definitely feeling more evidence-based, but, um, I feel like people are learning their options more, looking at evidence-based and then having more conversations with their care providers. Are you hearing that in the stories as well? Yes. I think
0: um, I hear it in the stories a lot. And then I also hear it from our childbirth um, course students that they are so appreciative of sites like Evidence-Based Birth where they can, you know, get this information in an easy to digest manner and take it to their doctor and not in a like, well, why are you doing this? Like accusing way, but just opening up the conversation. And I think that we talk a lot about, you know, red flags to look out for in um, your care provider and i think if they're not open to having the discussions and they get a little bit offended, you know, defensive about it then that might be a good indicator to look for someone else who's going to be more interested in in including you in the decisions around your care. Mhm. I like that the red flags so important to keep an eye out for. So you talk a little bit about the importance
1: of having the chance to tell an uninterrupted birth story cuz i feel like when you are the host of your show. You're really good about giving space. What do you think that does for the perspective of the listener hearing the uninterrupted birth story?
0: I think that it's really easy to as a as the interviewer to, you know, want to give feedback and your own experiences and things like that. Um and I went into the birth hour knowing that I had a very specific type of birth experience that is definitely not the mainstream norm. And so I really didn't want anyone to feel like I was coloring their story, um, with my own experience. And so I think that that kind of transfers over to the person listening, um, to just really, just, just like you would read a birth story, just hear how that experience was for them and, um, and not have a lot of like, um, judgment, not necessarily just judgment, but even just, um, making commentary. it into a conversation. Yeah. Commentary. Um, it's not a conversation. It's just a, a safe space for someone to tell their story and then for the listener to hear it.
1: Well, it's was kind of the same question for the perspective of the storyteller to have that space. Cause like you said, so many people when they're sharing their story, everyone wants to be like, in my birth, we did this. And in my birth, right.
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. I think everybody wants to tell their birth story, no matter if they just had their baby or if they're like 60 years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hear a lot of birth stories outside of just the ones I record. But um, so I think I had that intuition from the beginning to really be hands off as much as possible. And then about a year or so into the birth hour, I took a course from Pam England who wrote um Birthing yes. from Within. Mm-hmm. And now she has a whole birth I think it's called birth story medicine. And she trains birth story listeners and I think now she calls them mentors. Um and I didn't go really deep into like she has multiple levels of the course you can do and become a certified listener and everything, but I just did the first one. And it really just kind of confirmed everything that I had um, had been doing and thinking is that you really shouldn't react to someone's story because they may think that that, you know, episiotomy was no big deal. And you might be like, oh, wow, you know, and then that might really color their experience. And she actually talks about um, birth story sharing as like happening in stages. And one of the first stages is the, um, person giving birth, hearing their story from those that were in the room, um, the nurses, the partner, the doula, whoever it may be. And that can really influence how they perceive their birth story going forward because they're kind of in a fog, right? That, Mm -hmm. that birth fog. And so, um, just being really careful to not, and I hear it all the time on the birth hour, the comment that a nurse made was so upsetting to somebody and it just sticks in your head, you know, Mm. and I don't ever want to be part of that, um, narrative for someone. And so I try really hard to be hands off and it's not, it's not for everyone. I do get like, here and there, I'll get a negative review on iTunes or I guess it's called Apple Podcasts now um, about how I seem like bored and uninterested and I don't talk and all this stuff. And so th- that person will find a more conversational podcast to listen to, but um, I'm trying really hard to just let the story unfold to help guide from maybe you know the pregnancy aspect to the birth aspect to the postpartum aspect. And I'll certainly ask questions if something's unclear, but I think that giving someone space to just tell their whole story. And for a lot of people, it's the first time they've ever done that, you know, and they're in tears and, and it's just, it's a really emotional thing to do. And so, um, I'm just here to be the, the, the mic recording it and to get the stories out into the world.
1: I, I appreciate that. And I actually, I did a weekend workshop with Nikki who does, I think I'm blanking her last name. I think it's Shahid. She does a lot of the birth story training through Birthing From Within and I (laughs) had her as a guest and I wasn't, and I was just like talking to her about birth stories. And throughout that conversation, we started to unpack my birth story. One of them, (laughs) I didn't even like, I didn't go in with that intention. yeah. (laughs) And in the way in which she held the space and like, like you said, it wasn't a comment. It was really just creating a container to be a listener and reflect back. So I can appreciate what you're saying. And I didn't realize that you had done and that training. And as you spoke, I'm like, oh, I see that now, You know, <laughs> knowing kind of both sides of it, having listened to you and then having understood a little bit of the context they teach. Ah, I get it now. <laughs> so have you ever had it when someone's telling their birth story that they get triggered? And if so, how have you handled that?
0: Um, I don't know that I would use the word triggered because I think people are like, they come in prepared, you know, yeah. like they know what they want to share. We, we talk about it at the beginning. Um, and I always, you know, say if there's anything that you want to cut out, we always can do that and that sort of thing. But I mean, people definitely get emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I do get a lot of emails after the recording of either, it either goes like one of two ways. One is freaking out that it was terrible <laughs> And then once it goes live, the follow-up email is, oh, that was amazing. I don't know what you did, but it was so good. Um, or just like that appreciation of, wow, I'd never taken the time to tell someone start to end my whole story. And it felt so healing. Um, and that's, that's what I love to hear. You know, we're getting these stories out there to help all these listeners that are hearing them. But if the storyteller is finding some peace or closure, I think that that's really amazing too.
1: I agree. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to hear how you sharing your own birth story with your friends and community impacted you as a new parent. We're going to be right back.
0: At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with...
1: Okay. We are back. So I'm guessing
0: you probably shared your own story. What was that like? Well, so sharing my own story on the birth hour was awesome. Um, I recorded one by myself and then my husband and I did them together from there on out, which was really fun. Um, but as far as sharing my story with Like friends and family, I think that I never really fully did share all aspects of it like I did on the podcast, um, which is. Now that I think about it actually really interesting to think about how many of my guests it's the same for them but I didn't have like I mentioned any friends or family at that point that it had a home birth and there was a lot of judgment from certain family members about that decision and so we really kept it close to um close to our chest as far as sharing details and things like that and so um getting to share with my audience who I know is you know here to hear birth stories um was a great experience how far after you had your babies did you share your own stories so with our first two it was um it was a couple years i guess cuz i didn't start the birth hour until 2015 and um our first two were born in 2011 and then 2013 um and then our our third was a a baby born you know while we had the podcast going and so we shared it pretty quickly after he was born in november and i shared it within a couple months um, so that was fun to do as well. And I think I, with both of my older ones, I had written it down like within days. Um, because like I said, I was really into reading birth stories at the time. And so I took the time to write it all down within a couple days of giving birth. So I looked back at those notes when I was preparing to share as well.
1: Did your memories shift like when you were preparing to talk about it and then you're like, Oh, I should probably look at my notes. So there did your memory change from the few days after to recalling it several years later?
0: Not really. I think probably a couple of details like time and weight and stuff like that. Time um, at not, births is a very yeah, odd. Not good. My <laughs> husband always remembers the time and I cannot. Um, I still probably couldn't tell you, but, um, but no, I think in general, the story and my emotions around it stayed the same, but I will say that I shared it with my husband and, um, his like chiming in here and there sometimes felt very off to me um and so I think he either perceived it differently at the time or forgot a lot of things, but now he hosts this um, partner podcast that we do for our patreon members and it's funny because he interviews the partners and then oftentimes um the person who had given birth is a Patreon member. And they're the ones that are like, okay, that was all wrong. Like, I'm so annoyed that they told it that way. Now I have to tell my version. And so I think that's pretty common that your partner might perceive the birth differently than you did. I know my husband did. (laughs) We talked about it after. I'm like, that wasn't what was going on. I can very much
1: tell you that was not what was going on. (laughs) I would love to hear a little bit of your own births? Is there anything that you want to share from... There's been three. Is there any bit that you want to share?
0: I know that's funny because I'm so used to birth stories being like a full hour of, of podcast content. <laughs> um, but let's see. So yeah, they were all three born at home. My first was the... Long labor, 34 hours. Um, she was also two weeks late. She was due December 15th and came on December 31st. So it was a very strange time to be expecting to have a Christmas baby. And I could have even had a Thanksgiving baby. I was full term at Thanksgiving. Um, but no, she was born, um, on New Year's Eve and it was 34 hours. It was like three or four hours of pushing. I had a retained placenta. It was very, drama-heavy birth and very, very hard. And the main thing that I always tell people that I take away from that is I didn't feel traumatized by it at all because there was so much trust with my midwife. And it was just my midwife and my husband and me. She didn't even have an apprentice at the time, um, which probably would have been helpful because there was so much going on. But um, I just trusted her. And even with the retained placenta and all the bleeding I had and everything, um it was scary in the moment, but I felt like she had, she had me, you know, like I was safe and it was going to be okay. Um, and she was very skilled at stitching up and everything like that, which I was really grateful for as well. Um, and then my second was the, we had moved and so it was a different midwife and it was a very fast and furious birth. I went into labor at around midnight and he was born at 3 AM or so. Um, and he was late as well though, about, about nine or 10 or 11 days late. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but that was a funny one because we had just moved to Oregon and my husband was, um, taking the bar exam and it's only offered twice a year. And so he had to take it at this time. And I was due on July 20th and, uh, the bar exam was the 30th and 31st. And it was about three hours away from where we lived. And you couldn't bring your phone into the test or anything like that. And so we were trying everything we could do to get the baby to come out before he had to leave for that. And it didn't happen. So then once he left, I just like sat still with my legs crossed. Basically, <laughs> my mom was there to help with our toddler. And, um, and so I was like, you know, I guess 10 or 11 days late at that point. And he got home on the 31st late at night and we went to bed and I woke up an hour or so later and was in labor and the baby was born on August 1st. I think that's and a perfect so, example of like mind body yes, connection.
1: You're like, you are a lot. not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's what happened. And that he was ready to, he was so ready to come out. Um, But he stayed in the wait for his dad, which was great. Cause I was really nervous about that because like I mentioned, my husband was such a huge support with the first one. And I just couldn't really imagine not having him there the birth. Um, And my mom slept through the whole birth. (laughs) My mom and my daughter uh, slept through the whole thing. And then um, our third was born on his due date, which was so crazy for me after um, having been so late with the first two. And um, it was a different experience because my water broke um, before contractions started. And with the other two, my water broke Like when they were coming out. Um, and so it was that whole stressful thing of not being in labor, but having your water broke and the clock and all that. And so I got to do castor oil again, which I had done with my, with my first. Um, and once that kicked in, he was born in under two hours. It was also very fast. So those are my births. They were all, you know, different and interesting in their own ways, but good experiences overall.
1: I really appreciate your first and second. I mean, often, but there's something that I've heard a lot, and I will say I can also relate to my own. i have only had two. The first being pretty long in general, (laughs) long birth, long pushing. Often, you know, as you said, a lip, maybe the baby's coming asynclitic, and and then a fast (laughs) series. Yeah, something was going on there. Something positional, and then the second one being quick. And its I hear that a lot. I don't know if my ears are perked up to it because that's something I had experienced, but I've worked with over 20,000 pregnant people at this point, and it Mm -hmm. is not uncommon to see that pattern. Are you noticing that when you are listening to birth stories?
0: I think so too, but it might be like you. It might be that I'm tuned into it because that was my experience. But I think often when they're really close together too, like I always joke that, um, she paved, paved the way, way. <laughs> That's what I've been pregnant with him when she was still a baby, right? She was like nine months old and we found out, um, and she was eight pounds, 15 ounces. So she wasn't tiny, but then he was nine pounds, four ounces. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that I do hear that a lot, but I try not to say that to people, that are expecting their second if they had a really tough first because I don't want to give you anyone get the hopes know, up, of course. false hope. My mom had really fast labors with all of us. She was a weak early with all of us. And so I was expecting that. And none of those things happened for me. So um, yeah, I try not to <laughs> get anyone's hopes up. I always tell people like
1: statistically, because it's actually true, statistically, second births are quicker, but there right. can always be. And then that third birth is kind of like a toss-up. We don't know how that yeah, one's going to go.
0: It's weird. You hear that all the time too. It's a wild card. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I used to, um, when I would attend births as a doula, I would ask, the. this is before I had kids, I would just casually, if we were like... After after the birth or something kind of chatting or if things were just quiet, you know, like chill and there was a chatty time with the care provider, be like, so is it true that most of the time births resemble the parents? Cause my mom had really quick births. So I was trying to be like, preparing myself, like, is this what I can prepare for? And usually they're like, yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> So after listening to over 500, like 500 birth stories, is there a common thread that you've noticed in the stories?
0: Yeah, I think that the the main common thread that I hear is... um, Just the way that the person prepared and the care provider that they chose really comes into play with their story and how it goes. I mean, you definitely have those ones where, um, they just had a textbook pregnancy and didn't do any preparation. And, um, and that's awesome. But I hear a lot, especially when someone's sharing two stories, I hear them say, you know, the first one, I just kind of went with whatever doctor answered the first phone call and didn't really pay a lot of attention to their practices. And then this outcome was not what I had envisioned, or I've now learned that it's not what I wanted, even though at the time I had no idea what my options were. Um, and then they take the time the second with their second and subsequent births to really prepare and think about what type of birth they want. And then that makes all the difference. And then the other thing I would say is just no matter how the birth goes, um, the way the person is supported during the birth is what really makes the difference. And it's, it's, not necessarily the events of the birth. Um, you know, we hear some really, some really crazy stories where some scary things have happened and the person just felt really safe and supported the whole time. Um, and then they leave that birth feeling great about it versus traumatized. And so I think it's really all about who you surround yourself with at birth that is going to, um, affect the way you feel about it after.
1: I completely agree. I remember I interviewed Penny Simkin and she said something similar about it's how you're made to feel during the birth is what you're going to remember more than the details of it. And you're totally right. Who you invite in to support you. Makes such a huge difference. Oh, I so enjoyed this. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, if you will share one tip or piece of advice for new and expectant parents, and it can be something that you've heard in a birth story that really stuck with you, it could be something from your own experience, either giving birth or as a parent, wild card, you choose. (laughs) We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Has anything kind of swam up to the top of your mind?
0: Yeah. So the thing that I always think of is for me, I really didn't find that like mama bear instinct, trust your gut um, aspect of parenting until after my first was born. And so I always try to really encourage um, expecting parents to find that before their baby arrives. You're going to need it. And I think that if you can really Um, Speak up for what you want for your birth and your pregnancy. That really comes into play because you're going to be constantly having things come up as a parent where you need to make the decision that's right for you and your child and not be worried about what your in-laws think or what your best friend did. Um, And it can be really minor things for many, many years um, of parenting, but I kind of wish that I had found that earlier um, in my pregnancy and not had so much stress around what everyone was telling me about home birth and all those things and just enjoyed my pregnancy more and been like, you know what, I've done the research. This is what I want for me. And I know it's the right decision for me and my baby and, and gone from there. Whereas once she arrived, I was like, no one could have told me that what I was doing was not what they would do or right. I didn't care. Like I had this little person in my arms and I was going to protect her. And I had that, that mama bear instinct is the best way I could put it. So that's my, did, my little piece of
1: advice. Did your mama bear instinct just Emerge once your baby was in your arms. How did, how did you recognize that protective nature that just sprung up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess I probably can't like pinpoint a moment, but I just, I remember the same family members who had been, um, judgmental about our birth choices were starting to seep into things around newborn care and making little comments and things like that. And I just shut it down and like, just didn't talk to them. (laughs) Whereas when I was pregnant, I was still trying to walk this line of like pleasing everyone and all these things. And so, and we, I mean, once we got out of that phase, it was fine and we're all cordial now and everything. But I think just protecting my space just became so clear that it was, that she was the most important thing. And, um, and it helped me find my voice in that way.
1: I, I love that because I feel like boundaries can be really sticky, especially among yes. family members. And I, I can relate. I feel like once it became apparent, the boundaries on everything became sharper where I felt like in the past yeah. they were a little bit blurred and I didn't have the confidence to really draw them. And maybe it's age and maybe it's just, yeah, I think it, it so could just so be fatigue. I don't know if you find this, but like the more tired you're like, I don't have the time and the energy to really pander to you. I'm just going to set the boundary. So, um, so I, I appreciate um, that, that message for the new and expectant parents. Where
0: can people find your work and what are you up to next? So everything pretty much is linked from our website, which is thebirthhour.com. And I looked it up while we were talking. We're actually over 600 birth stories. Oh so. my gosh. Uh, I know I'm like a hundred off, which is not great, but my husband uploads them and he's always the one adding the numbers. So he'll be mad at me that I forgot. But yeah, so 600 <laughs> birth stories. Um If you want to support the birth hour, we have a Patreon account, which comes with um, other things like the partner podcast that I mentioned. That's also linked from the main website though and then we're all on um, on all the social media as just the birth hour. So pretty easy to find. And then as far as what I'm up to next, we're really focused right now on updating our online childbirth course. We're trying to make it more accessible, adding captions, doing things like that, that we just didn't have the bandwidth to do back when we first started it. Um, so that's been our focus over the summer and into the fall. And we have, um, I think about, Five or 600 students in there as well. And that's been really fun. One, one um, silver lining of COVID was that we started doing Zoom calls with our childbirth course students and the connections that have been made there have been really great. And then we've also started doing Zoom calls with our Patreon members. So it's been really neat to put faces to the community of listeners out there.
1: I appreciate that. I feel like there have been small little silver linings yeah. of COVID of new ways of connecting and and Zoom is definitely now a part of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. I have really enjoyed this conversation. It's fun to hear you um, just kind of tell your story after giving the space to for other people to tell their stories. So thank you for the work you do. And thanks for coming on my
0: podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun chatting with you. Thanks. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced
1: by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.